Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Falcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, here to bring you the next in our exciting series of content, which is going to be live training camp recaps of the day's practices and events. We're going to be doing these uh, for the first week of training camp as I am on site for the practices themselves. Uh, we'll hopefully be able to record some of these from Flowery Branch, but uh, we'll have these coming out every day over the first week of training camp and then also coming over the remainder of the off season. So uh, we hope you enjoy these new live recap shows uh, and we're going to get them out in podcast format as quickly as we can for folks who prefer this format to enjoy, enjoy them as well. So thank you guys. For all that you do, be sure to also check out the Falcoholic Live live on YouTube, uh, 8:10 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesdays, and also these are going to be live immediately following training camp practices over the next week. So thank you guys very much for listening, fellow Falcoholics. Welcome to another Falcons training camp recap. We are here on day five of training camp, the first padded practice of Atlanta's training camp to break down all the important news from today's practice and uh, answer some of your guys' questions as well. I was at practice today, finally got on the field for the media tent, took some videos for you, so I hope you guys enjoyed those. And I am joined by my co-host, he is Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way, who's also spent a fair amount of time at training camp this year. Adnan, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, you know. Uh, training camp has come, it's fun to talk about, but now I'm ready to move on to the next <laughs> step and then, you know, the next one after that. Yes. Well, mercifully, training camp is brief, and then it's right into the preseason and then right into the regular season. And it's even shorter this year because there's only three preseason games. So uh, we're not, I mean, what, we're like less than 40 days away from the regular season kicking off now. So uh, not too much time till we see some real action. Yeah, it'll be even shorter in the coming years. You know, yep. I wouldn't yep. be surprised if they took away another preseason game and made it 18. <laughs> they're talking about it so it's certainly on the table but yeah guys uh again thank you for tuning in uh if you haven't been here before we are uh from thefalcoholic.com sb nation's atlanta falcons site that is the place for all your falcons content make sure you give me falcoholic kevin the show falcoholic live and adnan at say which way on twitter follows and please do like and subscribe if you're enjoying the content uh, and feel free to throw any questions you have in the chat. We will try to get as many of them as we can throughout today's episode. Thank you guys again for tuning in. So, um, all right. Well, let's just, you know, right off the top, uh, the biggest story from today was that, you know, the Falcons were in pads for the first time. That obviously changes things. It wasn't, I would say, full contact in terms of there wasn't, you know, total tackling or anything like that. But uh, there was allowed to be contact uh, in coverage and you know pass breakups were more physical I would say the coverage was more physical in general we got to see a lot of that sort of stuff sometimes that changes things for players that have been impressing early but one player that it absolutely didn't change things for at all was Kyle Pitts who had by far the strongest day of any player uh, he caught I think two three touchdown passes throughout 11 on 11 and 7 on 7 practices he had that great uh, sort of, you know, jumping catch uh, in tight coverage that he was able to to bring in and, and uh, move into a touchdown, obviously. So, Adnan, how do you feel knowing that Kyle Pitts thus far is living up to the hype? Um, relieved a little bit just because, you know, we came into this knowing that Kyle Pitts is was the highest dropped tight end of all time. Uh, that distinction previously belonged to Vernon Davis with the 49ers, I think, 
in 2006. Kyle Pitts went number four. He is one of the, if not the most anticipated tight end of all time coming into the NFL out of college. And, you know, we know the tale of the tape with um, with Kyle Pitts. We know about his length. We know about his speed. We know about his tools. And training camp is kind of, you know, the perfect the perfect setting for him to showcase all of that. And, yeah. you know, it would have been a really bad thing, and I'd be really nervous right now if we were sitting here and we just made no mention about Kyle Pitts at all over the weekend in these past few days and are saying, oh, like, what, where's Kyle Pitts been? He's just been, you know, a jag, just another guy. But, you know, the fact that he's standing out, I don't think it's a surprise just because, you know, this is the setting for those athletic freaks. But at the same time, just because it's not a surprise doesn't mean that you're not relieved about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting if you, I certainly do remember like Vic Beasley, for instance, being, having a really, really quiet start to camp and obviously had a, a fairly quiet rookie season and then a really great second season. And then, you know, no long, no more good seasons after that, unfortunately. But, um, you know, it's not a given that first round picks do immediately come into camp and impress. I know a lot of people are kind of treating it Kyle Pitts is just like a kind of a given that he was going to be good. And maybe he was that much of a layup in terms of a pick based on his, his college evaluation. But um, certainly Pitts has been doing everything you could ask of him thus far uh, has been the flashiest player at training camp. He's already Matt Ryan's favorite target in the passing game. I mean, I mean, I, I believe he's been targeted more than anyone else. And it's worth noting that Calvin Ridley is full go according to him, but they are not giving him a full, complement of of reps um so he's healthy but they're trying to limit him a little bit in terms of how many snaps he's taking and i think that makes sense i think they're trying to work in a lot of other guys to the formations as well um but you know it's it's so kyle pitt's probably getting more targets than he would if ridley was like also in there but just something worth pointing out um but on the same note of impressive catches, uh, arguably the most impressive actual catch today was made by Christian Blake, who is a favorite of the athletics. Tori McElhaney who has been pressing her quite a bit. Um, I don't know if you've seen the clip, Anon, but what do you think about Christian Blake's chances of actually making the roster this year? He's managed to hang around each of the last few years. so I think they're larger now than they were before just because he came in as an incumbent with, along with Alameda Zacchaeus in that wide receiver competition. And again, as we noted, uh, Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley aren't part of that Russell uh, aren't part of that um, wide receiver competition. They're above that wide receiver competition. It's because that's the reason why they were off to the side with the quarterbacks all weekend catching passes while the other wide receivers were running their own drills. So. Blake is someone who's been around the team. You know, he has some chemistry with Matt Ryan. He has some, you know, familiarity with the team. And I think that gave him, you know, a decent chance coming in. I think it would have been a, a much larger chance if Dirk Cutter was still here because, you know, he would have known what the playbook was. Right now, everyone's learning from this brand new playbook that Arthur Smith brought in. However, the, the emergence of Trammell, and, you know, the signing of Jamon Moore, that kind of gives me a bit of a pause when it comes to Christian Blake because Alameda Zacchaeus right now is head and shoulders, I think, in the lead for that wide receiver three position, for that slot position, just because of how good he has been. I think he was the standout wide receiver of the weekend. So, you know, I don't know because... You know, if Chris Rowland or Austin Trammell, they're competing for punt returning duties as well. So let's say if if Rowland wins that job. So that's that's four wide receiver spots already taken away when you count um, when you count Zacchaeus Gage and Ridley. Then you have Austin Trammell who's looked more impressive than Blake this past weekend. Then you have Jamal Moore, who while he hasn't looked more impressive, he's still that you know, bigger bodied wide receiver that, you know, the coaching staff seems to have gone out specifically to get. That's six wide receivers on the roster right there. Yeah. And all of a sudden it starts to get a bit more iffy with Blake. So, you know, I, I don't want to say anything like right now, anything distinctive, just because we have the entire preseason ahead of us and it's going to be a hell of a competition. Right. And 
you know, it's a lot different when, when it's uh, game time as opposed to when players are in shorts and pressing. But, yeah, right now I'd say that Christian Blake's chances of making the roster, I'd say, are probably just a bit lower than they were at this time last week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the emergence of guys, like you said, Austin Trammell, who had a pretty quiet day today, um, you know, I can't say for sure because I was watching a lot of other players. I, I didn't see Trammell much in the 11-on-11 sessions towards the end of practice, so that was making me question if possibly he left with an injury or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure he may have been working out with, like, the second and third team on the other field, and I just didn't notice. So that's, that's something to keep him to keep in mind over the next couple days you know if we, if we don't see him um that would be unfortunate but uh you know at this time not willing to say that he is missing practice just that i didn't necessarily see him much today i think arthur smith made it clear in his press conference that he's going to work in everyone like if you if you put in the work and you impress with the threes they they've kind of got a uh to clarify for people they've got it set up in such a way that sort of the ones and the twos in 11 on 11 kind of just rotate like all the time like every other play there's going to be people coming in and out um and you've got a mix of starters and second string guys basically every single play um and then there's kind of like the third and fourth string that's on a separate field and i think what arthur smith is doing is saying if you impress in that third fourth string group we're going to work you into the the ones and twos you might not get a bunch of snaps but we're going to give you a chance and they they certainly are doing that um austin trammell was a beneficiary of that early uh this weekend uh today jawan green was getting some work with the ones and twos uh at wide receiver christian blake obviously was another one um we've seen chris roland get some work there as well so it's really i mean it, it's pretty yeah go ahead the other, the other wide receiver name is frank darby yes but yes yes I, I kind of hesitated on just mentioning him just because he didn't stand out at all he hasn't stood out at all all training camp and i'd say right now he's probably a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to roster construction at this very moment yeah, I mean, I think yesterday or uh, Sunday was his most impressive day, and he had a couple good catches there. Um, and you know, I think I think it's just really hard to stand out right now because so many players are doing a good job. Like we, I mean, we've talked about five receivers already, uh, and that doesn't even count the top three. Zacchaeus is, I think, firmly wide receiver three um, at this point. He seems just kind of head and shoulders above everyone else and it seems like how they're treating him in terms of reps is is indicating that as well like he he is not taking snaps with the third and fourth string he is firmly taking snaps with the ones and twos uh at worst so um it's just a really fierce competition um and it's been pretty quiet for other guys that we have interest in like tajay sharp and jamon moore you know the i think sharp Looked, looked a little bit more impressive today with the pads on, was able to use a little more physicality. Jamon Moore was back on the field today after having to miss, I think, half of Sunday's practice with what, what appeared to be maybe cramps. So hopefully it was just a minor thing. He was playing today full speed. Um, so, you know, there's just so many good guys and none of them are necessarily like great wide receiver two type guys, but I think they're all guys worthy of being on an NFL roster. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they do keep six, um, because I think, you know, we've talked about it on the show, you and I, and, and about, you know, the likelihood of them keeping just five because they have Corderell Patterson. Um, so it, it's going to be really interesting to see if, if, you know, they're tempted to keep a sixth day or if they do keep two or three of them on the practice squad, because they just don't want to let these guys out of the building. Um, yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, and uh, I know, I know, uh, just for the record, they're not keeping more than six. Like, no, they're more, not keeping more than six, definitely not. We're not b before anyone asks, it doesn't matter how good the wide receiver grouping is, how impressive they are, you're not going into the regular season keeping seven wide receivers, especially like, you know, Kevin mentioned, you have, um, you have Cordero Patterson there, who's, I guess, technically a running back on the depth chart right now, mm -hmm. but he can easily like shift over and play wide receiver. That was his natural position coming into the league. And, you know, you're probably going to have maybe four running backs, I'd say right now, counting Cordero Patterson, uh, just because of how good Javion Hawkins looks. Uh, Allison is getting some run with the ones. And of course, there's Mike Davis, who is your number one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, speaking of the running backs, I know we had a question from Grant Watson about how many running backs we think they're going to keep on the 53. And that depends on, you know, do you count fullbacks in that number? And, you know, do you consider Cordero Patterson a running back? The team certainly does. So if you're um, talking about pure running backs, I think it's going to be four. Um, and I think it's pretty clear who those four are already. Um, and I think Caleb Huntley did get some run today and looked good, but it's he has to compete with Quadri Olison, who kind of seems to be penciled in as the running back two right now. And um, by how he's played thus far in camp, you know, Olison seems like he's earned it. I mean, he seems like he's much more comfortable in this system as opposed to Dirk Cutter's system, whatever the hell that was. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be Mike Davis, Quadriolison, Cordell Patterson, Javian Hawkins. Javian Hawkins has been a standout as well, and he does he's benefiting from the fact that the team really hasn't brought in any more competition for his role. He's the burner at running back. He's kind of the change of pace quick guy. And they cut Tony Brooks James. So And that can segue us into the next thing because, you yeah. know, the team is looking at Deontay Foreman. Yep. Yep. And, you know, that's that's another name where, you know, this will be a, a a stiffer running back competition than in recent years, I'd say. Yeah. And, you know, with Foreman, he's that big-bodied guy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble just visualizing, you know, who, who would get the short end of the stick if the team did bring in Deontay Foreman and if they went into the regular season with him because the team really likes Cordero Patterson, I'd say. Yeah. As, you know, as the primary kick returner. And I saw in Sunday's practice, he got a number of touches with the first team yep. in a row. Like they were scheming him. They were scheming the ball into his hands. So I, I'd say Patterson's safe. Yeah. Davion Hawkins has impressed me, but, you know, would they – would they look toward going toward the veteran and Deontay Foreman over Hawkins when you, when Hawkins specializes in that uh, skill set that you don't really have on the roster with your other running backs? None yeah. of the other guys are really burners like that. So, no, no. You know, would it be Quadri Allison who, who's potentially a surprise cut if they brought in Foreman? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that would maybe be. The, I mean, I guess I would still think it's it's probably Hawkins who's the most likely cut if they just love Deontay Foreman. But I mean, to me, I think it's it's more of a camp body thing. Um, you know, they did cut Tony Brooks James. They've only got five running backs total under contract. Most teams in the preseason are going to carry six or more. So, you know, it might be that they're just looking to, to, to get a look at some guys, looking to have a couple of other running backs out there to take carries in the preseason. Um, you know, I, I love Devante, uh, Deontay Foreman coming out. Um, and I think he had a chance to be a special running back and then he tore his Achilles and it's just so hard to come back from that as a running back. I don't think it's really ever been done successfully. So, um, definitely interested to see what Foreman could bring. They haven't officially signed him yet. They're just visiting with him. Um, but if he does come in, I mean, you're right. He's probably more directly competing with like Caleb Huntley and Quadri Olson. I just have a hard time seeing anyone displacing Olison because they, the coaching staff seems to have so much faith in him right now. I mean, they're, they're running him with the ones he's the guy getting the second most carries of any running back right now. So, um, it's, uh, it's interesting how much this coaching staff seems to like Olison, despite the fact that they didn't draft him. Whereas the last coaching staff seemed to completely not like him at all. And they were the ones that spent a damn pick on him. So, you know, <laughs> it's just weird, man. But I mean, I can't explain it, but, uh, yeah, that was kind of... it was a pretty high pick too. It was like a high day three pick. It wasn't just like it was a oh, fifth. It was early fifth. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like oh us doing a mock draft and we're like all right, let's just get this over with. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's interesting, but yeah, I mean, pretty clearly Allison is ahead of the pack there, and I like Hawkins as well. He had some impressive plays today too. Um, even with the pads on, I mean, I think you know it's it's hard to tell sometimes. Um, with these runs, because there's no full tackling, but guys will grab and stop you. And and uh, Hawkins didn't get stopped. You know, it's it, he. I kind of lost sight of him behind the pile, but he kind of made some nifty moves and and got out there in space and scored another touchdown. And it's like if it was full contact, I don't know if he would have escaped or not. But still impressive. To to uh, he's shifty, and he's really damn fast when he gets out in the open field. I mean, he he made Isaiah Oliver look silly. Uh, I think Oliver was kind of the backside contain on that, and he just kind of outran him to the end zone there. Um, and please don't use this as an excuse to dunk on Oliver. 
you know, Oliver has been mostly fine. Just, you know, <laughs> just just pointing out that he beat a starting caliber corner there. Um, but speaking of the defense, it's worth talking about uh, the defense because I think the defense was very impressive. Um, the defense is going to have an advantage early on because it's a new offense, a new install. Everyone's kind of getting used to it. But we did see a couple more turnovers today. Uh, Eric Harris, the safety, had a very nice uh, pick. Uh where he read the play the whole way, uh, broke on the ball and was able to, to kind of pick it off and jump in front of the pass. Um, and then Foye Oluokun also, Oluokun, excuse me, um, was able to rip out a ball uh, on a run play and, and get the forced fumble and recovery himself, which of course he was great at last year. So it seems like that trend's continuing. But uh, now what do you think about the defense really seeming to emphasize creating turnovers this year and how important is that going to be for a unit that maybe is going to rely on that a little bit more than you'd want to? Oh, it's going to be a game changer for the defense. And it's, it's really nice to see that they're, you know, doing this in camp because again, the defense is supposed to have the advantage early on in camp, but that doesn't always mean that it's going to translate like that. So, you know, it's really nice to see, that that's happening and you know you said it the defense it's they're gonna have to force a lot of turnovers this season just because this unit isn't very talented you know relatively speaking when you look at the other defensive units around the nfl i'd say that this would probably be a bottom 10 defense in the league uh when it comes to pure talent uh, but probably a bit better with coaching because we've seen what dean pease has been able to do with defenses whose talent levels weren't really all there. We saw that with the Titans a couple of years ago. So definitely if the defense can be a plus unit when it comes to forcing turnovers, and they were not that last year, they weren't even close to that last season, then, you know, that's going to go a very, very long way in helping this team possibly secure a playoff spot this season because, you know, that's forcing turnovers. That's, that's your ace in the hole. For this defense because you're not going to out yardage other teams right. throughout the course of the season. You may be able to here and there, but it's not going to be a consistent thing. And if it is, then I'll be very impressed and I'll be very, very yeah. happy. With your Just honor. make Dean Pease statue right. Okay, so. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's smart of the Falcons to sort of emphasize you know, they're, they're the great equalizer, right? You can make this offense look, look, look terrible and the worst defense look competent you know you get enough turnovers and, and things change so um i think it's smart of them to emphasize trying to create turnovers and being aggressive this year because i don't think they can just play straight up and play conservatively or, or play a more balanced style and hope to compete because of the you know aforementioned talent issues particularly in the pass rush um but speaking of the pass rush and the defensive line uh we did get to see a few more players rotate in there um the uh you know dante fowler's still out we haven't seen him at all yet um but we did get to see a couple of rookies get on the first team more in uh this today's sessions um adetta combo ogandiji and taekwon graham were both rotating in with the ones along with uh nose tackle chris slayton uh as uh tyler davison apparently missed today's practice i actually didn't notice it till afterwards when arthur smith mentioned it but uh tyler davison was actually not at practice today apparently a minor thing that they're just kind of monitoring um but you know he didn't seem to think he would miss a lot of time but uh we did see chris slayton actually appear to be the first man up at nose tackle behind uh behind tyler davison we also saw other guys like uh, deidre sanat get some work there uh we saw olive sagapolu as well so there were a lot of young guys getting worked in there what do you think about those two rookies? Jonathan Bullard's another name, the veteran, uh, was getting a lot of run with the ones today. But yeah, uh, Adnan, how big of a deal is it that guys like Ogandiji and Taquan Graham, you know, make an impact this year based on the depth we have at defensive line? <laughs> I mean, it's what depth the defensive line. Is. Right. I mean, I think the depth is like, okay, the depth is fine, but the starters are a disaster. So <laughs> Yeah, so it's one of those things where anytime you can have you know, late day three picks, uh, late day three rookies contribute at any like level, even if it's just special teams, and then that's an absolute success. So, you know, it's one of those things where 
I'm not really counting on it happening, but the fact that they are getting, you know, some run with the ones, I applaud Dean Pease and the coaching staff for, for giving them that opportunity. You always like seeing younger players get that chance. You know, it's something that we absolutely went after Mike Smith for uh, late in his tenure here, never giving the young guys any opportunity. So the fact that, uh, Ogandiji, I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm really yeah. gonna have to work. I'm really I think gonna. It's Ogandiji, but I I don't honestly know. So if anybody knows Ogandiji and is able to tell us how to pronounce his name, that would be appreciated. But yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe we can have him on the show, uh, eventually. So mm-hmm. you know that'll be fun to ask him directly. But yeah, yeah, him, you know, him making any sort of a contribution to this edge group, and you know, kind of raising its ceiling a little bit that would be that would be a boon it would be huge it would be you know it's a plus for either him or take Wong Graham to really do anything on this defensive unit this season and it's still it's still training camp so I wouldn't really you know take it to the bank that these guys are going to be massive contributors along your defensive line especially when everyone's healthy when Dante Fowler is back but, you know, it's definitely a nice thing to see that the young guys get their opportunities and, you know, to have that chance to impress the coaching staff because not everyone has that chance. And, you know, maybe maybe you realize that you have something there and, you know, that would be that would be massive for this for this defensive unit to have that bit of an influx in young players that we don't expect to be very successful and to be massive contributors, especially in year one. You know, maybe even that, maybe that even raises the defensive ceiling just a little bit. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly possible. And I know we had another question, you know, about Deidre and Sanat. And like, honestly, like I could have sworn I saw 94 out there today. And I think I even said that I saw Sanat. Um, but he still is allegedly on the pup list. So, and Maybe I thought we were... Away. What's that? Maybe they gave his number away. Maybe, I don't see it on the roster. I was looking, but like, yeah. So I'm pretty sure I saw 94. I could be wrong. Um, and maybe they did give the number to somebody else, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he's allegedly on pup and based on, uh, Arthur Smith's comments early in camp, he didn't think he was going to be back at all for camp. So, um, I, I don't imagine we're going to see Sinat. I thought I did, but I, I think that must've been another player or I'm just blind or something like that. But yeah, um, as far as I know, Sinat is, is kind of tab to miss training camp with his i think he said it was an upper body injury of some kind which is unfortunate but um well, probably do it for him if he misses training camp completely. yeah it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough um but yeah there were a couple other things that i thought were really interesting um we did see uh the the young offensive lineman i think look good today um we, we since it's for the first you know contact practice uh there was actual blocking going on which of course is nice to see it's exciting um and uh Jalen Mayfield I think held his own at right tackle he looked like he belonged with the ones um we also saw Drew Dahlman getting some first team reps today at left guard um I wouldn't say it was the majority of reps but there were he was getting mixed in there after kind of being stuck with the twos uh most of the time um, and I thought he acquitted himself pretty well there. Um, Josh Andrews also wasn't, you know, alarmingly poor or anything like that. But honestly, the most impressive player to me on that young offensive line outside of like, you know, Chris Lindstrom and Jake Matthews, who are obviously great, um, is Matt Hennessy, who I think I think he's entrenched at starting center. Um, he he looked like he was directing the offensive line with authority, with confidence. Obviously, he has really high end athleticism. He was moving really well. 
um, just handling his business there at center, uh, which is a great thing to see for the Falcons, you know, not having Alex Mack anymore. They needed someone to step up and be a leader on that offensive line. It reminds me of, of what he looked like at Temple, where he was very much the leader of that offensive line. And I think he's kind of growing into that role in Atlanta. Um, so, Adna, what what are your thoughts on this young offensive line and the sort of and and how these guys are, are looking thus far in training camp? I mean, uh, it's another thing we talked about it leading into training camp. You really need that. This is the unit that really makes you most nervous uh, outside of the edge group because it doesn't matter how good the offense is, it doesn't matter how good Kyle Pitts is, how good Arthur Smith is at scheming things up. Uh, all of that goes to shit if the offensive line sucks. Uh, so, you know, the fact that the young guys are, you know, doing so well, like I, I mentioned it, you expected Kyle Pitts to do well in training camp. This isn't something I was outright expecting. You know, if you had come to me before training camp and said, uh, Jalen Mayfield is going to look really good at right tackle, Matt Hennessy is going to look, very sound at center, you know, Dolman's going to look very positive. All I would have been incredibly excited. Yeah. Whereas if you came to me before training camp and said, Oh, Kyle Pitts is going to show out. It would be like, all right, thank God. Um, (laughs) Because thank God you didn't blow it. Yeah. Yes. Because you know, this, this offensive line, it's, there's three major question marks on this offensive line. And that's at center, left guard, and right tackle. And yes, that absolutely includes Caleb McGarry. He's really done nothing in his NFL career to suggest that he's a stabilizing force at the right tackle position the way that Lindstrom and Jake Matthews have shown that they can be stabilizing forces at their respective positions. So, you know, if Jalen Mayfield shows up, it's just like with the uh, young defensive lineman. If you can get a positive contribution from these offensive linemen, it would be even bigger because, you know, along the offensive line, you play every single snap, whereas uh, Ogundeji and Taekwon Smith would be, you know, kind of rotational pieces rotating in. If Mayfield can, you know, show out and play well along the offensive line, doesn't matter what position that is. If that's right tackle, if he beats out Caleb McGarry for right tackle, well, one, that would show that McGarry was, you know, a pretty big bust uh, at that position. But, you know, you have to start the best possible players, the best possible pieces. And it's still very early. I'm just talking hypotheticals here. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if Drew Dahlman or, or uh, if Drew Dahlman possibly wins that uh, competition at left guard, that would be that would be very big as well. Because I think right now we're rooting for these young offensive linemen to kind of win this competition at left guard because yeah. you know, the the alternatives suck the alternatives <laughs> aren't really there and, yeah i mean yeah. You, know, you know with hennessy as well you you really really want him to have a good year like you're rooting for him to have a good year because we need him to have a good year at the center position he didn't really it wasn't really that positive last year when he was put into the guard position but you know then again he was given a bad deck a bad hand having to, to deal with Tampa Bay and with Kansas City and yeah. their, you know, all-world defensive tackles. I mean, you couldn't have picked more difficult matchups for him to start his career against freaking Chris Jones and Vita Vea. I mean, it's rough, man. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, definitely uh, I would love it if Hennessy just, you know, continues carrying on that uh, Alex Mack legacy of being that steady center uh because you know we've we've spent a lot of draft picks on offensive linemen the past few years yeah and we we really need more of them to hit than not because the last thing you want to do is continue using up your draft capital on offensive linemen in the years to come because you have a lot of other positions of need especially along that defensive unit so you know I'm rooting for these young offensive linemen because I I need to be rooting for these young offensive linemen. Yeah, it's just exciting um, to see these guys excel. And, you know, we're really not going to have a a great look at these guys until we see the preseason games. Because, look, I mean, it's not full contact. There is some contact now with the pads on. It's not full go. 
you know, people in the chat have pointed out the Falcons edge rushers are not particularly good, but I think the interior guys are pretty good. So I think, I think what we're seeing in terms of positive play from the interior, seeing guys like Josh Andrews and Matt Hennessy not look terrible against, you know, the Falcons interior, which I think is pretty good. Um, that's, I think that's, you know, encouraging the tackles. I don't think we really know. I think we know Jake Matthews is fine, uh, at worst, <laughs> And, you know, I think we've seen that Jalen Mayfield is at least okay, but we're waiting and, to see still. So remember, guys, this is still this was the first padded practice. We're just speaking yeah. in hypotheticals about the offensive line being good, which, you know, we hope it will be at but, least passable. You know, take everything with a grain of salt right now, yeah. because we'll, we won't be able to really evaluate the O line until until the preseason yeah. at the very yeah. least, because, you know, yeah. They're not going to be going. They're not going to be running Oklahoma drills against Grady Jarrett. No, no. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think you know what you've said about McGarry is fair. Um, in that he hasn't. Whereas we've seen Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, sort of take those jobs and just kind of run with them, and it's like we have no questions about those guys anymore. Um, McGarry's been a little shakier. That rookie year obviously was not good. Um, it was extremely volatile. I think last year was better. I think he was about a league average starter there. Um, but like for a first round pick that you traded up for, you know, you're hoping for more than average. So um, I think I think if he can get back on the field quickly, which we're going to talk about right now, um, you know, I think McGarry certainly has the potential to to be a good right tackle, particularly in, in a scheme like this, which I think suits his strengths a little bit better. But, you know, we need to see him and we haven't gotten to see him at all yet. Um, but I did uh, ask Arthur Smith. I worked up the courage to actually talk to Arthur Smith. You know, I, he seems very secretive about injuries. So I was like, I'm going to ask this dude straight up if, you know, he has anything to say about Caleb McGarry. And he was actually very nice. Arthur Smith was very nice to me. So, you know, shout out to Arthur Smith. He seems kind of intimidating, but he's actually a nice guy. Um, but yeah, he... he he didn't reveal anything specific, but from his tone and the thing that, that he said to me specifically, I don't think McGarry's going to be out much longer. Um, I, I think we will see McGarry soon. I don't know if it'll be by the first preseason game or not, but I don't think it's something that's going to linger into the season. I think we will see him at some point during the preseason, um, which, you know, as Vlad pointed out in the chat, like that's important for McGarry because if, if Mayfield plays the whole preseason and is good or better, you know, are they just going to hand McGarry the job back? I don't think so. So it's kind of like he needs to get on the field soon. Um, and I know someone asked, like, if it's possible that Caleb's absence has to do with COVID or a vaccination sort of thing. And I would say that we don't know, but I think the answer is probably no, because if it was COVID related, he would be on the COVID list. There's a specific protocol for players that have anything to do with COVID, including co close contacts and things like that, where you would be put on the COVID list. So I, I don't think McGarry has to do with COVID. I think it's more likely to be some sort of minor training injury, perhaps, or conditioning that's causing a problem, maybe an illness even, you know, you just never really know. Um, but it's not COVID because if it was COVID, he'd be on the COVID list. So that's kind of, I think, where we're, we're standing with him. Um, and then also, you know, we talked about Tyler Davison uh, from what, coach said doesn't sound like Davison's going to be out long at all but um he did miss practice today so you know what do you think about the possible timeline of McGarry coming back and does he need to come back before the you know end of the preseason to hold on to his job Adnan I I think right now his job is secure but if Mayfield comes out just like gangbusters in the preseason then you know the possibility is definitely there of Mayfield usurping McGarry for for the right tackle job because remember this this front office they drafted Jalen Mayfield. They didn't yeah. draft Caleb McGarry. They did not trade up for Caleb McGarry. Like it would not be an indictment on them at all if Caleb McGarry, you know, flames out and isn't a starter come week one. That's an indictment on Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov. So, you know, they don't really have that you know, that, that bit of pressure, that bit of bias toward the player that they that they pick themselves and that exists in the NFL. Yeah. We can we can pretend like coaches, oh, like they'll always give it to the most deserving candidate, but no, they that that bit of bias exists and they they will they will generally favor the guy that they spent draft capital on. If for no other reason then it looks bad on them if smarter if they do. Yes, yes. Yep. And it makes them look dumber if they just wasted that capital. 
So, you know, I, I think that the possibility, there's a non-zero possibility that, you know, Jalen Mayfield is the right tackle on this team come week one. Would I bet on it? Would I say that that's probable? No. But it's it's definitely within the realm of possibility just because McGarry isn't Jake Matthews to where, all right, if Matthews was out throughout the preseason, it's like, all right, you're still penciling him in as a starter. However, if Mayfield, you know, if he plays really, really well, then, you know, why would you give McGarry that job? Just just based on his name, just based on what he's done, he hasn't done much in the NFL. So, you know, it, there there is, you know, there is a chance yeah. And you know, it would be it would be a bad look for McGarry if he lost that starting job, even if he even if it has nothing to do with him and that he didn't play poorly in the preseason, if he missed the preseason. Because in the NFL it happens all the time. You miss time, you know, someone else can swoop in and take your job just like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it, it happens, man, and, and it's definitely the eyes and certainly, you know, want everyone to be able to get on the field and compete, but it, it just, you know, we don't have a choice of when, when injuries strike and it can be, you know, they fell stands for not for long. Right. So it, it can be real, real, real tough there for those guys. But, um, everybody commenting on the room I'm in. Okay. Like, Hey, I'm very appreciative of my relatives here in, in Snellville uh, for letting me stay here. They cleared out space for me in their, ha- in their home. The internet is just strong enough to do the show. That's all I can ask for, folks. So <laughs> comments do make me laugh. That is funny, guys. <laughs> Thank you for the, for the laugh. Um, so Jerron Wade says, what's happening with Felipe Franks? Heard something happened to him. I didn't see anything happen to him. He was up until the end of practice. So unless it happened after practice, I can't recall anything. Um, he had a good He had a good session. They were letting Franks get in on that one, two, um, rotation at the end that final 11 on 11 franks was able to get some reps there uh he didn't you know initially wasn't getting many reps there at all so um franks delivered a very good throw to christian blake which was sort of the one of the best throws of the day one of the best catches of the day where blake you know fought through a hole from kendall sheffield and still made the play um so i I thought franks had a pretty good day um, you know, he's clearly behind McCarron right now on the pecking order. Um, you know, McCarron, I don't think McCarron has been like a standout, but I think he's he's made the correct reads and made good, you know, good solid throws basically whenever he's been in there. So I think in terms of a backup, he's going to have the advantage because I think he's reliable. He's got the NFL ex- experience, but, um, you know, definitely worth monitoring Franks over the remainder of, of the training camp and preseason to see if anything else there but um yeah i'm trying to think if there are any we haven't done yet that we should get to are there any topics that you wanted to cover today Adnan, before we get out of here are we going to talk about felipe franks possibly usurping matt ryan for the starting season? <laughs> you can go go for it man you know drop drop them <laughs> no no I, I already have i already have enough on my plate with that fake reputation yeah the matt no. ryan hater yeah so it's you know you got to be careful before too far you know what i'm saying i i will say though matt ryan and and don't don't come at me about this but matt ryan didn't really look he didn't really look all that sharp this past weekend you know hopefully it's just a case of a bit of rust uh you know in preseason it's it's nothing to panic about but you know definitely you want to see some better throws from him in the preseason yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it hasn't been. I would say there's been some misses by all the quarterbacks, um, and that that tends to happen with a new install on offense. You know, Matt Ryan's overthrown a couple guys. Um, I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, he has a noodle arm," but it's been more like he's been overthrowing guys, to be honest. So, it doesn't seem like it's an arm strength issue, more like a timing issue. But um, you know, Ryan overthrew Hayden Hurst in the end zone, which on what a, on what would have been a touchdown today, and then he hit Hayden Hurst on a really nice throw uh, later in practice. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a little bit of back and forth, uh, but you know, I would agree that, that Ryan hasn't been super duper sharp thus far. I don't think any of the quarterbacks really have, but it's the first week of, we're not even, you know, seven days into camp yet. Um, you know, I think we need to see a little bit more before we start, you know, panicking about the quarterback group. And I I would advise people not to panic. And I'm just making the comment just because, you know, 
we're singing, you know, we'll sing Matt Ryan's praises all season when he, you know, does something good. But, you know, just in fairness, if he does struggle, you know, just in fairness, we do kind of have to mention that as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's totally fair to bring it up, that the offense has been a little off schedule, more than we would expect. But again, um, new offense, new install, first day in pads. You know, it, it, it. if you look around the league, there's a lot of offenses that don't look great right now. That's just kind of how it is and happens every year. Yeah, um, and it's the very beginning of training camp. And, you know, we'll see. It'll be fun. The first preseason game is uh, about, what, a week from Friday, I think. So that, that yeah. one's against the Titans. Um, we'll Julio poss- revenge game. We'll possibly see Julio play if he's not hurt. Uh, and, you know, I just say that because he missed practice today. Um, so, you know, uh, I am very eager to see how they split up, split up those preseason games because normally you always know the third preseason game is the dress rehearsal game. Yep. But this year, you know, uh, is it... Uh, I'm kind of shaky on the preseason dates. Is it the third preseason game and then every team has two weeks off? I honestly don't remember. Or is it I have it on my desktop, though. We'll find out. I have the schedule on my desktop, so let's see. Because I think that's going to decide. I think the game that's two weeks before week one will be that dress rehearsal game. I just don't know if that's the second or the third preseason game this year. Yeah, I, I think it's... I think it's the uh, the third preseason game is like the 26th. Uh, and I think that is, you know, two two weeks away from week one. So there is an extra week there before the regular season, as far as I can tell. Um wrong about that. But that that's what I think right now. So, um, yeah, guys. Again, thank you all for tuning in. We really appreciate you guys. Um, I think that basically covers all the major stuff from today. George Costanza had a donation. Oh, that's right. I, I can't forget George, my man, George. Yep, yep. What do you know? Thanks for spotting that on. I had the, the YouTube page up, and I don't necessarily see the donos. So, yeah, $5 from George Costanza. Show benefactor, George. Thank you, brother, for your support. We appreciate that. He says, supporting the show. Falcons are going to the playoffs, baby. Pitt's going to revitalize Matty Ice. He's going to be an all-pro. And as always, he wants to know what you're drinking, Adnan. Uh, I wasn't drinking anything today, but I will Got to hydrate, have... brother. Yeah. Yes, I'll, I'll have I'll have something new on Wednesday. Uh, yeah. Non-alcoholic, of course. <laughs> yes, But, of you know, some, something, something exotic on Wednesday. Yeah, and, well, you know... Yeah. Big, big thank you to George, you know, and to everyone who donates, you know... Though that's the kind of stuff that'll ensure that Kevin doesn't have to sleep in a closet. <laughs> it's not a closet, okay? It's a full-size room here. I know you can't tell because there's boxes everywhere, but you know, walk-in closet, yeah. you know, it's a it's, yeah, walk-in at least. Yeah, you know, Dave, Dave tried to put me in the boiler room, and I was like, "There's the Wi-Fi is not good enough," you know, so it's not going to cut it. But uh, yeah, uh, definitely, thanks, George. We appreciate that. Thanks everyone else for tuning in. Uh, thank you for liking and subscribing. And if you haven't done that yet, you know, please do. Um, you can check out the Patreon page as well uh, if you prefer to, you know, donate and support the show on a monthly basis. You also get access to some exclusive perks. So if you want to throw a couple bucks at the show, I think the Patreon is the best way to do it. But, you know, that's that's up to you guys. You know, I don't want to tell people how to support us. That's totally on you. But uh, we do appreciate everyone who just even the ones that just watch, just comment, just hang out. Um, that's an integral part of the show. We really appreciate that, guys. Um, and again, thank you guys for your support during training camp. Um, it's been great. You know, Adnan and I just really appreciate everyone interacting and engaging with us while we're out there. It makes it all worthwhile to cover stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, Jason Gaines, uh, thank you. Uh, it was really nice to talk to, to Coach Mike Kershaw of Rice uh, yesterday, or I guess it was a couple days ago. But uh, that interview is up on the, on the uh, Falcolic page as well. If you guys haven't seen that yet, that was nice. Uh, a nice talk with Kershaw there, who was also the punt return coach at Rice. So he was able to give us some insight into uh, Austin Trammell and his uh, wide receiver and special teams abilities. Um, allegedly, I'll be getting to talk with Trammell himself here soon, um, possibly on Thursday. So look out for that interview later this week as well. And of course, I will be there tomorrow for the final day. Uh before I have to head back to the frozen north of, of New York State. Um, it's not is, frozen now. It's August. Yeah, it's 100% not frozen right now. But, you know, eventually it will be frozen. Uh, much more frozen than, you know, Georgia ever gets. But except for the icepocalypse that one time, maybe. But um, 
Yeah, guys, we just really appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. Like I said, like and subscribe. Follow the show at Falcoholic Live and follow my co-host Anan Ikic at Say Which Way. Anan, anything else you're working on? Anything you'd like to plug before we sign off? Uh, Dave and I had an article this weekend talking about uh, standouts from training camp. Uh, And I'm going to re-up that uh, article series looking at the best plays from Falcons history. I think we're now in the elite eight. So, you know, that, that bracket is kind of, is slowly coming to an end. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how, how the rest of it shakes out. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a fun series guys. Go vote on that greatest Falcons moments bracket. It's getting down to the, it's, it's hard to decide. Some of those are, I think pretty tough. So go make your voice heard on those greatest moments. Uh, if you're if you have a moment today, do that for sure, guys. Make and again, do follow Adnanikich at Say Which Way, guys. I am Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. I will be at camp again tomorrow. Hopefully, bring you guys some more great videos. You know, if the players cooperate and give me those sweet sweet shots, and not too many of them get blocked by the field goal po- post. I think I had like at least two like spectacular catches just the, just right behind the field goal post. But you know, it's how it is sometimes. Um, And uh, again, we appreciate all you guys for tuning in with us during camp this year. We're going to have coverage continuing through camp, even if it's from afar. We're going to have all kinds of preseason coverage, uh, play-by-plays of the preseason games, and of course, tons of work in the season itself as well. So until then, guys, uh, the live show tomorrow might be kind of late uh, because I have to go to the airport immediately after practice, but... Uh, We will keep you posted on that. It might be later in the evening. It might be that it needs to wait a day. We'll just see how how crazy the airport is and that sort of thing. But uh, we do appreciate you guys. We'll have tons of coverage coming your way throughout the rest of the offseason and the season itself not too far away either. So until next time, guys, I am Kevin. For Adnan and all of us at The Falcoholic, thank you for watching. We'll see you next time here on The Falcoholic Live. Have a great night.